I really need to develop an intro for this podcast. I don't really know how to get this thing rolling when it's just me talking to a camera. But uh, firstly, thank you very much for checking back into the Training Model Podcast. This is episode number three. The response from episode one and two was so incredibly positive. Thank you to everybody that has been sharing on their socials. It really does G me up. Um, All of the conversations that I've been having uh, as a result of the topics that I've been talking about so far, uh, they've been a little bit more business-centered, which has been great. Um, And I plan on continuing to talk about sort of just my experiences uh, trying to build a business in this industry uh, and the and the sort of struggles and and the, and the hurdles and the wins and the and the things that I'm looking at learning uh, throughout my process I'm, I'm going to be unpacking more and more of that um, however I did have a question of whether or not it's going to be solely a business podcast which is definitely not we're going to get into some training and, and some detailed training discussions you may have seen during the week um, that uh, I shaved my face. Um, and as stupid as that sounds, um, it was a little bit of a, a self-reflection process for myself and I'm kind of calling it like a reset, like a mental reset. Um, I had never grown a beard before. My beard kind of sucked anyway, but um, about 18 months ago, actually when I was in Scotland last year, with Laura. Um, I just didn't shave my face that whole holiday. Um, I gave it a little trim, but um, for the most part, it was the first time I grew a beard. And, and since then, I've just sort of had the beard and I've kind of liked it. And um, But then when I reflected on the last 18 months and some of these conversations we've already had in the podcast, um, I think that... Um, and, and a mantra that I'm kind of saying to myself is you are a leader. I am a leader, like an affirmation to myself currently because um, I, I really want to step into um, a – I really want to I, – I, I actually just really want to push myself within this industry again. And, and this is what training model fundamentally is and, and, and this direction for myself alongside strength culture. But um, this mantra that I've had, which is you are a leader. Um, I am a leader. I've been saying it to myself and, and I, I, I don't know, I just wanted like a physical, it just, I just felt like I had to shave my beard and that was a reset for myself to be like, I am a leader, show that you're a leader, as stupid as that sounds, but it was just shaving my face, but it's, it, it, it means more to me. I don't know if that ramble actually makes any sense to you, but yes, I have shaved my face um, and I am continuing to step into this new direction that I am building and I'm fucking G'd up for it. And uh, it helps when people are responding to the podcast, somehow we uh, hit number 31 in the charts for health and fitness. I don't know how those Spotify health and fitness and all those Spotify charts work because I've only had like 306 downloads or something across the first two episodes. So I don't really know how it, how it works. I think it might be like a, um, like a relative change from where the podcast was previously, being that it's a brand new podcast. Getting 300 downloads is a massive change. So maybe that's what moves it up the charts, but it doesn't matter. I'm on the charts, episode uh, number 31, which is great. But um, yeah, it's, it's just all a a push into this new direction that I'm having. Um, and there was two key things. Well, actually, there was one key trigger for um, for sort of my mental state change. And to be honest with you, it was sort of like, I felt like a pimple. It was like all this pressure and all this stuff was building up. And then it was actually Saturday when we, were, when we had our second push-pull run event. And 
Uh, just by nature of these events, we had a bunch of people pull out uh, in the week before. We were meant to have 48 competitors. It actually came all the way down to like mid-30s. I think it was 34 or 35 across the day. Um, and I... I was a bit deflated at the start of the day. I was like, fuck, all these people have pulled out. Um, it's not really going to be uh, as exciting and as fun as I wanted it to be. But as soon as the lifting started, it just fucking went. And there's something about that event that we've created at Strength Culture that um, I've just never felt anything like it. Like, yeah, I go to powerlifting comps and and all of that sort of stuff. But I think because of the competitive nature of those sort of events um, – and I, th- I think the other part of it is because so many people are just from so many different groups and there's no real like true community at those events. Like, yeah, they're awesome fun and all of that sort of stuff. But something about these push-pull run events, I think because 80 to 90% of people know each other, they're mainly just from the gym and our coach clients and all of that. We do open up other tickets, but um, as soon as the event started running, it was just fucking on and it was just the best atmosphere. It was so much fun. Uh, and it, it really just, it, it just like lit this gratitude trigger in me to be like, we have something here at Strength Culture that's fucking sick. Like we have actually built like a a rocking community. And it's so good to be a part of. It was so good to witness. Um, the event was so much smoother than the first push-pull run. I think it helped that three of the coaches didn't compete, just bulls compete competed and congratulations because he actually won the day uh holding the team strong there well done booze but um the event itself was just fucking sick and then i got home and then i was like i'm gonna shave my face so then on uh on tuesday or i didn't get home and shave my face but on on tuesday i was like fuck it i'm shaving my face it's a restart it's a great restart um of this new mental sort of direction that i'm heading because um as I said in episode one, it has been a little bit of a, a struggle over the last couple of years for myself mentally alongside my business and, and trying to grow the business and, and all of that sort of stuff. I think a lot of it was uh, wrapped up in some of that pregnancy related things that Laura and I were going through with the, the miscarriage and uh, the medical treatments and the surgery and all of that. The last two years have just been this very like cloudy period of my life coming out of COVID and since June, since that June development seminar, things have just started to really move with momentum personally. My subjective world has just been growing and developing, uh, which has been really positive. So, um, and I think it's, it's, it's really starting to gain momentum now and I'm fucking keen. Uh, and that's why I shaved my face. So yeah, that was a bit of a ramble, but, um, in today's podcast, we're going to be discussing a couple of business-related uh, topics as well as uh, just an extension of the center of mass conversation. So I've had a, I had a, a handful of people reach out. Again, if you want to contribute to the, the the podcast here and and put your hand up for the team meeting, which is the the part where we discuss the questions coming in from the team, uh, you can contribute through the link in my bio or just send me a DM. I'll also do a weekly little um, sort of Q and A response on my Instagram as well. Any of those sort of streams, uh, if you want to contribute, ask a question, or, or get some uh, pointers on a discussion point or anything like that, you can contribute there. But I had a bunch of people this week, which is really cool. So thank you to everybody that has been listening and contributing. But um, the first thing that I wanted to discuss was a continuation of the center of mass conversation that I started. I don't know if it was episode one or whatever, but. Um, this idea that um, it was actually Brady's question. That's it's just triggered in my head. Brady had a question related to like, is, would the physio sort of world 
improve with this better understanding of center of mass. And then David Gray actually put a fantastic podcast up discussing center of mass. Um, and then uh, Ben actually asked another question related to center of mass uh, with mobility restrictions. And um, I, so I just want to continue to add to this conversation because I think it is the most important uh, movement understanding that you can grasp if you can understand how gravity influences the system we can understand how the bones move and then how the muscles are going to respond to those relative changes in bone directions and bone speeds and all of that sort of stuff and a lot of it all of it is just an understanding of center of mass so uh, from ben's question we're going to be discussing um, the mobility restrictions and the common mobility restrictions that people see, especially when you're dealing with people that are looking for in the gym performance-based things. So looking to push strength, whether or not they're powerlifters or anything like that, the common mobility restrictions that we will see are going to be uh, ankle range of motion, so dorsiflexion. We're going to see an inability to hit squat depth. So we could view that as hip flexion, or we could use, or we could view that as uh, they're driven via an anterior pelvic tilt, where the pelvis is rolled over the top of the pelvis. Um, the third most common mobility restriction would be a lack of shoulder flexion and the inability to actually get their arm up over their head without excessively arching their back, um, which could also. Uh, which can also sometimes manifest as an inability to internally rotate their their shoulder, their glenohumeral joint. And they're probably going to be the most common uh, strength-related mobility restrictions um, that, are, that are presented with. And with our understanding of center of mass and a system that is being pulled forward by gravity, again, because the human system wants to move forward, that is the direction that gravity will pull on our system. It pulls down, yes, but it's actually pulling us down and forward over time. Um, we're going to see the same presentations evolve with majority of people that are looking to push strength. That is that their pelvis has rolled forward into an anterior pelvic tilt, which is not a bad thing. Having an anterior pelvic tilt is not a bad thing. I remember there was this research paper that that tried to say that I think it was like 87% of people present with an anterior pelvic tilt, to which I respond to, well, maybe those 87% of people have the presentation that is required to be a human, that is upstanding, that is fighting gravity with their extension. Um, and, and maybe it's the 13% that didn't have an anterior pelvic tilt that are trying to say something else and their strategy to manage gravity gravity is a little bit different. But most people will present with an anterior pelvic tilt. It is not a bad thing. Um, when it becomes a problem is if you don't have the requisite control and motor control to move away and use a different strategy if it's required. And if the only strategy is to extend the back and push the set center of mass forward in order to generate force and generate propulsion and, and to actually lift things and do all of that sort of stuff, that is when an anterior pelvic tilt can become a problem. What we actually need to do is gain control, learn to shift the center of mass backwards in space, learn to control that movement with the, the what I like to call the flexor muscle groups, which is your hamstrings, your abs, your serratus, um, and using that connection of uh, sort of mu muscles that 
that control the axial skeleton to shift the center of mass back and hold it back in space as we start to produce force with the true primary movers, which will be for the upper body, your pecs and your lats. And for your lower body will be your adductors, your glutes and uh, yeah, your adductors and your glutes to extend the hip. At the extremities, we have a couple of other key muscles, the calves um, down below, and obviously like your triceps and stuff for your upper body when we produce force and push into things. Um, however, for the most part, the flexor group that I like to think of and that I educate through is going to be hamstrings to control sagittal plane and shift a center of mass back from a pelvis position. Your abs, which are going to connect the rib cage and the pelvis and push that center of mass back, compress the front side. And then finally, the serratus, which is going to help shift the rib cage back and down in order to get the scapula to move forward and up into shoulder flexion. And this is the crux of what these main mobility presentations that we see. Again, the, or granted that the caveat that you don't have a true uh, sort of structural limitation to those mobilities, which most people don't, they just don't have the control to shift their rib cage and pelvis back in space and hold it there with the flexor group the hamstrings, the abs, and the serratus. They're using um, a very extension-driven system, which is all the lower back, the upper back, the lats, the QLs, uh, the hip flexors, um, all of these muscles which shift the center of mass forward in order to produce force. If that is your strategy to produce force and to overcome ob objects, you will run into these mobility restrictions, which is that your tibia is always forward in space because of the center of mass that has been pushed forward, which means we're going to limit the amount of uh, the amount of dorsiflexion that the the ankle can then present, because we've already eaten some of that ankle dorsiflexion range of motion um, because of the center of mass forward. Same with your hips. If your pelvis is rolled forward into an anterior pelvic tilt, you're going to struggle to close that gap further, to close that joint further. Uh, and we're going to run into hip flexion and hip internal rotation issues. The same thing with the upper extremity. If the rib cage is forward, we can't get the arms up overhead because the arms need to be delivered by the scapula. And in order to get the scapula forward and up, we have to get the rib cage backwards and down. Some people call it retraction of the rib cage. Um, and again, the primary muscle that's going to produce that is an ab and serratus connection with the upper extremity. So we need to learn to use abs and serratus to shift the rib cage back and down and then produce force and to produce motion with the primary movers. And in this case with shoulder flexion, it's going to be the pec, allowing that scap to move around the rib cage, allowing that shoulder to move through shoulder flexion and to actually get the arm overhead. So yes, majority of these typical mobility presentations that we see with lifters that we see with people pushing performance in the gym i think the fundamental thing that needs to be improved first is shifting the center of mass back closing that anterior space of the abs pulling the ribs down pulling the pelvis up holding that with the flexor group of hamstrings abs and serratus and then producing force and producing movements with the primary force producing muscles the pecs the lats the glutes and the adductors 
So um, that's just a little bit more of a continuation of that center of mass conversation. Uh, we will have more of these sort of chats. Uh, again, I love biomechanics. I love anatomy. So uh, if you have any further questions, you can contribute to the podcast via those. Um, but yeah, center of mass is going to be a key crux of understanding how humans move and producing uh producing movements that really are trainable and and without limitation in mobility and uh, actually loading muscles through fully stretched and shortened positions. So also a key thing for hypertrophy, which I'm sure we'll get into as well. So thank you very much for sending in that question. The next couple of questions are going to be business related. The first one is on brand development. Um, so this came from Jackson and Travis. Uh, they were both two separate questions that I'm going to kind of push together. But um, Jackson wanted to know what the process was like changing or, or rebranding from Melbourne strength culture to strength culture, which I don't know if that's sort of the idea that's out there. It's it's definitely not. Um, it wasn't a rebrand in any capacity. We still have a huge Melbourne Strength Culture sign in the middle of the gym. The website's still called Melbourne Strength Culture. The Instagram page is still called Melbourne Strength Culture. It was just that we added strength culture uh, without the Melbourne uh, to the brand. Um, and, and that removal of Melbourne for things like our training app and our apparel are the two main areas that that focus has been made um, was to try to make it a little bit more of an all-inclusive brand um, rather than just being Melbourne. Um, whereas Melbourne strength culture is really just the gym and the coaching service and sort of everything that's related around that. So it's not so much that we ever rebranded Melbourne strength culture to strength culture. It's just that we added this layer that is just strength culture to what we were doing. Um, and the reason for that was we wanted to make it more inclusive and more open. But also a part of that was that um, we really see uh, the potential for the growth of this business to be um, to be online, and and I really do believe that. I th I think that the online space is amazing, um, and the potential to grow in the online space is really exponential um, and we can really take control and, and, and sort of try to develop our brand and push that into an online space. Um, however, the crux of what we do will always be this in-person community. Part of that thing was the push-pull run, but this in-person community where we can actually build relatedness and connection with our sort of clients and our, our members and, and all of the people that want to be involved with strength culture. So we we want to expand into online online areas um, because I think that is more of a long-term play for us. And if you remember back to episode number one where I said like, what is, our, what is my end goal with business? And really, I don't have an end goal. Uh, I want to retire. That would be one thing, but that's not going to happen in the next 20 to 30 years. So um, what I really want to do my main goal with business is to just to continue to provide opportunities to grow and develop and not feel like myself or the staff are ever sort of capped within their potential and what they can develop within this brand that is strength culture. Um, and I think that moving into more of an online space is going to be really beneficial for those opportunities uh, as we continue to grow and develop and, and, and our career directions and all of those sort of things develop further. So that is why we wanted to move into more of an online brand and an online direction. And part of that is, um, part of that has been successful, but a, another part of that, and I think this was that 18 month period for myself with the beard, the bearded Jamie, um, where I don't really think that we pushed 
for a few months there, um, if anyone remembers our clout tours, going to Sydney, going to Queensland for the podcast and, and, and trying to grow our socials aggressively in that in that time period, we were also making quite provocative Instagram stories where we were trying to quote unquote trigger people and that was successful. Um, there was a period there where we, we saw a lot of quote unquote brand growth. Um, however, I sort of pulled the pulled the the foot off the accelerator after a couple of months of that. And I think again it was just that that reflection of the subjective world that I was living in at that point where I just felt like um, it wasn't worthwhile and it wasn't beneficial and um, and again my just attitude to work and, and and pushing myself and the brand sort of I just took my foot off the gas a little bit. Um, and I don't think we ever really capitalized on what we were doing. Um, and, and I think, I, and again, I've, I've recently, it's reignited within me that I really want to continue to grow this online brand that is Melbourne Strength Culture and Strength Culture. All of this stuff that we do in social media, like I want to capitalize more. I'm now at a point where I really want to grow the podcast again. Um, I'm at a point where I really want to grow my own personal brand again. I'm at a point where I want to grow our Instagram again, get back on TikTok and, and get that thing rolling um, because I, I, I can only see the benefit of growing those sort of areas for the business as a whole as we continue to move move in the direction that we're moving. So um, again, I took my foot off the accelerator uh, for a number of reasons, but I'm now starting to press that thing down again. We actually just organized a, uh, we've just set up a new organic content strategy with the help of Donnie, um, who's uh, really helping us with sort of our messaging and our tone and and the words that we're using and all of that sort of stuff. So you're going to start to see some of those pieces start to roll out a little bit more consistently on Instagram, which is great because for a few months there, all we really were posting was Instagram snippets and random things. Um, and as a result, things weren't growing. And, and, and it's just a reflection of that overall marketing strategy. If we want to grow the business, we need marketing to do that job and it's the overall marketing strategy. So putting more time and effort into our organic stuff and really uh, being consistent with that is going to be a, a big focus, especially as we push out the end of this year. So um, that that was a big, yeah. So the rebrand, it was never really a rebrand. It was sort of just this, um, it was sort of just like an adding a couple of layers to what we were doing in an attempt to grow online, which we are doing and, and we want to do more of um, because, I, I, again, we have been a little stagnant on that front. But it's no fault but my own and my leadership. Um, uh, but I think now with our new strategy and a new direction and a new desires, I think we will start to see success with that again, which is great. So um, that's the first half of this branding question. The second half came from Travis, which was, just sort of lessons and, and ideas around building a brand and like what is and I, I view this as like what is a brand um, because I think and especially I used to struggle with understanding how brand can help the overall direction because quite often I would look at large companies and corporations things like coca-cola and pepsi or ferrari and all of these sort of things that have like hundred year old brands that have been developed and they've got brand colors and they've got a logo and all of this sort of stuff and um i thought that maybe if we just have a cool logo like or whatever like and it's easy to get lost in that because i think fundamentally that is not what a brand is a brand is not like your logo or your colors or like your tagline or like I help 30-year-old business owners get 
more efficient with their business. Like those taglines and stuff that people have in their Instagrams. Like I don't think that that is brand in any capacity. When I think of brand now, especially after the last 18 months of trying to develop a brand, the things that pop up in my head are connection. So what is the connection of your business to the people that observe the business? So if you're a young PT, your brand is what the members of the gym think about you when they see you in the gym. If you are unapproachable, if you um, aren't that willing to talk or you've got your headphones on and all of that sort of stuff, that is presenting a brand to those people within your audience at the gym there in that capacity, as opposed to the brand that would be expressed by being positive, open, making sure you know everyone that's training, getting to know all the people, asking personal questions and actually getting to know them, um, being fun, being exciting, being approachable. All of those things then become your brand in that situation. And when we look at an online brand, your marketing, so how you communicate your ideas, the, the type of ideas you promote, your connection at a personal level with the people that are consuming you online, that fundamentally becomes your brand. And when I think about the success, again, I don't think we've nailed it in any capacity uh, so far, but I think the success that we have felt and we have seen with our brand development is really putting ourselves out there um, and trying to build connection and relatedness with the people that consume us. And part of that is trying to be more personal, putting more like fun spin on training. If you, if you listen to the Strength Culture podcast, a lot of that just general discussion is the development of our brand. It's it's showing the funny side to things, showing our mishaps, our failures, our our struggles, and, and putting that stuff out there because that is what is actually building that connection with the target audience. So uh, when I think of brand develop, brand development now, that is what we're trying to do. We are trying to build connection and relatedness with the people that hopefully will become part of our community, that will sign up to the gym, that will sign up to coaching, that will download our app, that will buy our apparel, all of those sort of things um, if we can build connection and relatedness with those people, that is hopefully what's going to drive the development of our brand long-term. And we make mistakes. We definitely do. We, we put out content that becomes too abrasive. Um, we, again, there was a period where we were doing a lot of it um, and we were getting a response, but I don't think that was really the direction that we wanted to head. Um, I think we want to put our own spin on this sort of whole training and um, the pursuit of training and the pursuit of performance. I think we're doing that really well at the moment um, and the push-pull run events and all of that sort of stuff, our novice comps, um, just all of that fun stuff that we're trying to drive within our community, I think is really starting to improve. So um, when I think of brand, that's what I think of. And I don't think that even if you are just a, sorry, I should reframe that. Even if you are just a, a sole personal trainer working out of a gym, you can always have this forefront idea of how am I presenting myself to the people that are observing me? And they may just be observing you from afar. They may never speak to you. They may never engage with you in the gym or within your content or anything like that. But there are people observing you. And, and it's, it's the thoughts and the emotions that, that that observational person has, which is fundamentally what your brand is. So um, that's what I like to think of uh, now within brand development. Um, and hopefully there's a couple of things um, that you can take from that that will be valuable for yourself. Actually, one other thing that, um, 
that I and I talk about this in Business 101 as one of the precursors in, in module number one, which is the foundations of business, which is trying to identify your differentiated qualities and factors um, that separate you from the the sort of crowd. Um, people that do this really well in the industry, James Smith PT, Eugene Teo, Australian Strength Coach, um, those, yes, they're very... I would say that they've made it in the industry. They're very large. They've got a big following. They've got very successful businesses, multiple revenue streams. They're doing really well. But I think at a fundamental level, they identified key areas of differentiated qualities that people can start to associate you with. Um, And I think identifying some of those differentiated qualities for yourself is going to be really important in the development of your brand because those differentiated qualities is what makes you unique to the other coaches and the other businesses within the marketplace. So leveraging those differentiated qualities, leaning into them and actually trying to explore them and put yourself out there um, is I think a really important step to take. And I always get the question, well, I'm new to the industry, like I don't really have that many differentiated qualities. And the first, everybody has this differentiated quality. It, It is you yourself. It's you as a person. It is your experience. It's your lessons, your journey. All of those things are fundamentally independent to you. They are your experiences. They are your differentiated qualities. So leaning into that and exposing those when you're talking to people and trying to build connection and create content, I think is a fantastic place to start in terms of developing your brand because you can't just create this faceless Instagram page um, and have it as your coaching page and then you've got a personal page somewhere else and the personal page is all the fun shit you do in life and then the 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 formal Instagram page is just like like slideshows and uh, sort of like uh, this is the benefit of cre- creatine is always the one but this is the benefit of creatine this is how to help your sleep this is how to do all that and they're tile posts no personality no connection no brand as opposed to your personal life which is fuck, I just failed another lift. What am I doing? Like that becomes who you are and that becomes the connection and relatedness that you can create with people. So you at an independent individual level are your own differentiate. You have your own differentiated qualities. So leaning into that and exploring those and getting those out, out there will help build that connection and relatedness with the target audience uh, and fundamentally start to develop your own brand. It's not a logo. It's not your colors. It's not your motto. It's who you are and what you talk about and the connection and relatedness that you create with the audience that follows you. So um, yeah, that's a little little bit of a chat about brand and what I've been thinking about over the last sort of six months, especially. Um, I've got two other questions to discuss today. The next one is from Riley. Uh, Riley recently did my online mentorship um, and he's moving to a new gym. So Get at it, Riley. We had a good call last week. Um, He's also set up his finance accounts, which G's me up, and he paid for his first thing out of his profit account, which is awesome. So keep kicking goals, Riley. But he wanted to know, have I always been a systematic person? Um, And it it was only recently I discovered 
just how much I use like models when I think about things. Uh, so when I think about a model, a model is a way in which that we, I, I like to view it as a lens. It's a lens that we place in front of our vision and in front of our perception um, that allows us to distill information quickly. So when we think about something like a compression and expansion model from Bill Hartman, he's created a lens, he's created a framework so that when he sees movement and when he sees uh, sort of strat- movement strategies in front of them, it comes through that model, through that lens, and it allows him to distill the information quickly. It's very compartmentalized. He looks for a couple of key qualities, and that helps him frame sort of what's happening in front of him and how he can then begin to build strategies to move forward with. Um, I have always just done this. I don't know what it is about my brain, but um, I always like to put things in box, boxes, compartmentalize ideas, pull out certain situations. Um, so like programming was another one for me, but like starting to like really pull a program apart and identify the key areas that are within a program. I remember doing that when I was um, really young, like 15 and 16, looking at online programs and trying to identify what was working and why things were working. Um, from a movement perspective, understanding uh, different movement strategies and how they fit within a global movement model is something that I've always just tried to develop. And it's actually one of the key things that I push within my online mentorship, which will be coming out, uh, the programming and coaching side of things, which will be coming out in December, but trying to identify and build your own models and understand your own sort of frameworks and lenses that you use as a coach, um, I think is a really, really important uh, sort of task to to undertake. And it might take you months to really understand exactly how you view things. But once you've got that model in front of you, you can very quickly distill information and identify what's important, what's not important, build quick strategies to see progress and and do all of those sort of things. Um, That was my next step in this systematic sort of view of my development. And then finally, when I started to build out my business mentorship stuff, and this goes back like two or three years now, but identifying the four main quadrants of business development marketing, sales, retention, and finance. And then all of the things, the key areas that sit within those areas of your business and then identifying what's working well for you right now within those four quadrants and then focusing in on the areas that need improvement, that need resources, that need attention. Like I've always just found it easier when I have a model way of thinking. And that's why I promote the internal introspective process that is developing your own model as a coach um, because I think it is the most beneficial thing that I've ever done. How do you start that process? I think it just starts with trying to get your ideas out in formal. The way I actually did it was um, for my in-house internships, which was just one A4 piece of paper per idea. So if you think about strength training, have a strength training at the top and have everything that is in your head around strength training on one A4 piece of paper. And if you go over four or five pieces of paper, that's fine. You need to try to boil that down to one A4 piece of paper. And then you do it with the next thing. All right, when I think about mobility, what do I think about? Write everything that you you understand about mobility down. Again, if you end up with three pieces of paper worth of content, crush it down and, and distill it down to one A4 piece. Then go to strength training mobility, peaking, powerlifting, 
uh, motor control, skill acquisition, whatever it might be, getting all of your ideas out there and then starting to distill those things down and, and, and remove the fluff and find out what's actually really important, um, I think is one of the most beneficial things that any coach can do. And it has opened so many doors for myself and strength culture when I really understood what our process is for coaching. So um, have I always been this like systematic type of person? Absolutely. Um, I don't know where it comes from. It just helps me in so many ways when I feel like I'm lost or feel like I don't know what I'm doing or if, if I feel um, confident about an idea, it always comes back to my model and my overall strategy. So um, hopefully there's some, some things that can help you uh, if you're a young coach within that. Finally, um, this comes from Dylan Monks, uh, who's also in Business 101. So shout, shout out, Dylan. Um, if I was... I paraphrased his question, but if I was a young personal trainer, what education would I go for? Um, I think he more framed it as like, what do you th see is the most beneficial or, or anything like that? Um, for me, I think this actually bridges a couple of conversations that we've already had in this podcast. The first one is you have likes and interests and sort of passions for yourself that fall within this industry. It might be psychology, it might be strength training, it might be powerlifting, it might be movement, it might be sports performance, it might be strength and conditioning, whatever it might be, you probably have some interests within um, within the, the global sphere, sphere of health and fitness. And I think that is the first place that you should be looking for for continued education. And within each of those independent spheres, what I would recommend people do is identify a coach that is a coach or a business that is in a position that you want to be, consume their content, find out where they've developed their model and their understanding, and then go to those people. Don't, it's not always the, the, the case of going uh, to just like a, a PT or anything like that and learning powerlifting. You're better off going to who taught that coach powerlifting. So for me, the people that have heavily influenced what we do here at Strength Culture, um, Eric Cressy, without a doubt, Christian Woodford would be another huge one, Pat Davidson, uh, PRI often comes up. From PRI, you get to like Mike Robertson and Bill Hartman. Um Mike Boyle would be another another big one. Mike Tashira, reactive training systems and that powerlifting stream and RPE and this subjective sort of experience that's related to training would be another key influence from us. If I was a young PT and I was looking at strength culture, yes, I would sign up at strength culture and consume all of our stuff and come to our seminars and all of that sort of stuff. But I would be looking a layer deeper. Who, who, who kind of created their ideas and, and who built their ideas up? Um, that's what I would be doing. So um, I don't think that there's any sort of, um, and again, that is in line with your interests. Go down the path that interests you now uh, because that will make the process of learning and developing a lot easier. So um, that would be the first way to look at it. The second thing is like, what do I see is like the, just the fundamentals of being a coach. And for me, it always just comes back to movement. We coach movement. Um, movement is the vessel that delivers the stimulus. If you, uh, 
if you want to if you want to create hypertrophy of a pec, you need to understand how a pec works, how the rib cage works, the movements of the arm, how the scap influences the pec and the stretched and the lengthened positions. If you want to develop strength and understand how to produce more force and produce more efficient movements and and develop skill and all of that sort of stuff, you have to understand how the human system moves and deals with gravity and produces force and stacks itself and and moves its way underneath the center of mass and pushes down into the ground. It all comes back to movement. For me, I don't think enough coaches, enough physios, enough allied health, enough people in the industry fundamentally understand movement and and how movement works i think it's the vessel that we deliver and it's the main thing that people need to sort of better understand if you really want to start to to create progress and to create uh, functional change within your clients and within your athletes so for me go down your interests and also learn movement uh, because we as pts and coaches we deliver movement as um as the service. That is what we fundamentally do. So that would be the two main things that I would look at. If I was a young PT, uh, that's the education and the stuff that I would want to go. If you want to learn movement, um, David Gray would be a great place to start. PRI, if you really want to get in the weeds, um, that would probably be my two. Uh, The other one would be Gary Ward has a fantastic closed chain biomechanics of the lower limb. That course is my favorite anatomy course that I've ever done. Uh, It's an downloadable course online. Um, That will be another great place where you can begin to learn movement and the key principles that dictate how humans move. This idea that everything revolves around center. Uh, Muscles are reactive to bones. That's that whole bone first mentality that I spoke about in week one. Um, And again, that center of mass discussion. This idea that muscle needs to stretch and feel a stretch sensation before it contracts. So this is a layer, this is like the foundational piece of hypertrophy training is that muscle needs to lengthen before it contracts. We must stretch before we contract. Learning how to actually stretch muscles is really important. So learning how the axial skeleton dictates the pec position and how to get more stretch or less stretch on that. Uh, It also can impact rehabilitation and taking out um, sort of provocative positions from a program. How do I get more shortened pec so that I'm not stressing the structure of the shoulder in a lengthened stretched position? All of this stuff comes down to... um, All of this comes down to like this idea that muscle must lengthen before it contracts and it's a key principle of Gary Ward. Check out his course. It's awesome. Um, But yeah, that's the end of today's uh, training model podcast. Uh, Again, thank you very much for for listening to these ramblings. Um, If you want to contribute to the podcast, send me a DM, reply to the question box when I put it on Instagram stories or you can contribute through the website. Um, There's a contribute tab there. Uh, You can go through there. If you want to help me uh, and my new direction, please share this on social media or share it directly to somebody who you think might be of interest in these topics and conversations that I'm having uh, that will really help me out and really help to grow uh, this new direction with Training Model. And then finally, if you're a young PT, a coach, you want to own a gym, you really want to grasp business better, I would recommend jumping in on Business 101. It will be the first link in the bio. It's also the first link in my Instagram bio, uh, first link in the description, sorry, or my Instagram bio. Uh, It is my short course of business foundation. So we cover foundational mindset, 
marketing, sales, retention, and finance. You get a bunch of uh, spreadsheets to help begin to build your business systems and to develop your business from the back end. Uh, and I, I fundamentally think that identifying and understanding these key areas, these four key areas of business will help remove a lot of the stress and anxiety that you're feeling with the, the development of your business. We need to, in order to fix a business or grow a business, we actually have to understand what a business is. And it's not just posting content. It's not just trying to make sales. It's your entire process that you that you are building um, around your service is your business. So fundamentally understanding marketing, sales, retention, and finance will be really important. If you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling anxious, if you're worried about the future, you need to take control. And Business 101 is a fantastic place to get started. So uh, if you're interested in that, you can use the code Team Meeting one word, to save $75. Um, and I'd love to see you in there. And yeah, join the other 16 coaches that are starting to take control of their business. 